0: Of the Lord, and while you're standing, go ahead and turn to Matthew's Gospel, chapter number one. and Matthew's Gospel, uh, chapter number one, and we are going to be reading in, starting at verse number 18, uh, down through verse 25, in preparation for our Christmas season. Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through uh, 25. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bring forth a son, And you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son. And they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Then Joseph, being arose from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took to him his wife. And did not know her till she brought forth her firstborn son. He called his name Jesus. I want to read verse 21 again. And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Pray with me. Father, help us as we study today. God, this message is a message that is from heaven, coming down to your people to reveal to explain your love to a dying generation. Father, as I do every week, I I realize that I am a vessel, broken but yet humble before you, realizing my shortcomings. I ask that you would empower me that the people that are listening today will be forever changed by what they hear, And and that our Understanding our knowledge about who you are will be refreshed and yet, Lord, even be upgraded for your glory. We dedicate this time to you. We sit quietly before your presence. We sit attentively and we sit with an attitude to learn this morning so that we can not only be transformed ourselves, but transform the generation to which you've called us. Father, we love you and we praise you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated in the Lord's presence. Beginning our Christmas series is simply entitled Christ Must. And the emphasis there is Christ. As you know that there is so many that want to take Christ out of Christmas, but we know better. We understand that we are those who are called to press the issue. To press the issue and let people know of God's great love. When I think about Christmas, Christmas really is a story of love. Think about it. God sent the most incredible gift, the most holy gift, the most perfect gift that, that could ever be given anywhere, anytime, for always and for eternity. He sent Jesus Christ. He is the gift to our society. And he is our gift to many of you who have received him And you know him today as your savior. You know how precious he is. You should know that. And yet there are voices today that want to try to squash the message of this love. How many of you know that this love of God, his love, must be made manifest to a generation that is seeking love? a generation that is seeking the answers to problems. God sent that gift, that solution. He sent it in the person of Jesus Christ. And so when we fail to communicate the inspiration behind the gospel, we do a huge disservice to our society. We expect that those who don't know Jesus, we expect them to look at Christmas And to see Christmas as a time where we just gather with family, friends, uh, have a good time, get extra days off from work, pray for the snow so that you can simply just relax, you know, go out and spend money and purchase and purchase and purchase and and make sure that you get that list out. and, And we understand that that's the way that the world thinks and they approach Christmas. But you and I who have been redeemed, we ought not think of Christmas that way. We ought to look at this as an opportunity. Everybody say opportunity. Opportunity. This is one of the best times, hear me, other than Easter, and I'll put them on the same part with each other, one of the best times to talk about Christ. If you're sitting here today and you think to yourself, I'm really one of those persons who don't like to talk about my faith, or you find it difficult talking about Jesus. This is what I call a freebie. I mean, because even people who are non-religious, they do believe subconsciously that Christmas is a Christian holiday. And to, to some extent, they expect you and us to talk about Christ. Now, we know that the backlash of it is now that we don't want you talking Christ. And in fact, you, you know, some places, you know, they say they go out of their way. It's one thing to say happy holidays, but it's another thing to say happy holidays with the emphasis of I want to make sure that Christ is not in it. And some places you ride down the road, you ever seen the department store, they have, you know, Merry Xmas. That's offensive to me whether or not they fully understand it. And, and, a lot of, and the origin behind all of that is to try to take Christ out of Christmas. No matter what the origin of Christmas was, for us, it is a time to celebrate God's great gift to humanity. This is an opportunity. Say that word with me, with me again. Opportunity, say it again. Opportunity. This is an opportunity for us. Jesus is essential. And so hear me. So in all of your extracurricular activities, I want to ask you a question this morning. Have you figured out a way to make sure that people know about this great love that God has given to to all? Have you figured out a way to communicate to your neighbor? Have you figured out a way to let people know that they really need a savior? Mm, now that brings us to another interesting point because there are quite a few people out there who don't really think that they need a savior. And so we're confronted with you know, the, the, the deception of the enemy that, that, that you are secure, that you don't really need Jesus. I mean, why do I, why do I need all of this? Why do I need a savior? I think it's a valid question to a person who don't know God and you're coming to them and you're telling them, hey, you need to know my Jesus, you need, you need to, you. I think it's a valid question to ask, why? Why do I need to get saved? Why do I need to take time out of my busy schedule to which I'm very busy every Sunday to come to church and listen to you talk to me for 30, 40 minutes or sometimes an hour? Why do I need to go through all of that? So our message this morning is entitled, the subtitle under our series is is entitled, The Savior. Everybody say, "The The Savior. The Savior implies that we need to be saved from something. The word saved, right? I need to be saved. It suggests that we need to be saved from some kind of dangerous or desperate or deadly condition from which we need to be rescued. And unfortunately, many preachers preach Hear me, and I want you to—I want you to stay with me on this, because you know I'm—I'm I'm not one of those that like to be critical, uh, you know, because I believe that God works through people. Even some preachers, I don't necessarily—I believe God can still use them. so, so, so I'm not. But, 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 but let me let me say this. But, but there's some preachers that preach that humanity need to be rescued just simply from a lack of fulfillment. Yeah. <clears throat> That's, that's the message. You need, you need, you need, and so when we go and we preach the gospel, it's all about trying to figure out where people are not fulfilled and try to meet them there. Well, let me give you some of the reasons that we preach that people need a Savior, to which I will follow up and say, these reasons are flawed. Well, if you give your life to Christ, you need a Savior because Jesus will fix your marriage. person that has been struggling having a difficulty in marriage. You know, you need a a Savior because your marriage needs to be fixed. Your relationship that is broken, you know, one of the people get really vulnerable when relationships are not working, right? So we have a tendency to tell people, that's why you need a Savior. Or you need a Savior because Christ will fix your children. You know, you, you know if, if, if someone is struggling with their kids and family and all that, I mean, you, you won't reprieve, right? You need help. And so we tell people that, that man, you need a savior simply because, the, you, you know, you, you, your children need to be fixed. Or you need a savior because he will help you climb the corporate ladder and breathe new life into your business. Yeah, that's why you, you having problems with your business? You're struggling with your career. Oh, oh, I, I, I know that that you had dreams and, and and this thing, this big dream you had, it all crumbled and you're dealing with depressed. You really need Jesus because if you get Jesus, Jesus will give you back that dream and, and Jesus will he will he will fix it and make it all right. Oh, don't forget this one. Yes, you need a savior be- be- because I have these uh, 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 de- debilitating strongholds and these habits. You know, I've been battling in a society that battles with lust, that battles with pornography, that battles with drug and alcohol abuse, and that battle with certain hang-ups. This is really, really appealing to somebody who's really, really struggling, right? Really. And so we tell people, we communicate. Now, you need to really stay with me because if you don't stay with me, you won't get the point here. So you got to walk with me because some of you are like, Pastor, what are you saying? I am challenging the presentation of the gospel by which the, the foundation by which we present it. And so we communicate to people, oh, you, you're you, just, you just need to, to savior because you're depressed. You need to be lifted up. Can the gospel deliver you from an unfulfilled life or enslaving habits? Absolutely. God can deliver you. God can help you. God can restore some things in your life that has been broken. How many of you know what I'm talking about? God can do that. But there are many times when God don't necessarily do it exactly the way you want. There are sometimes your kids might not get fixed. Which is why sometimes, I, you know, I, I say that, you know, you understand what I'm saying? I, I, I say that because here is why sometimes people come to God, they, they so-called hear me, come to Christ because we promise them if you come, he'll give you a dream back. Right? That job that you lost, that career that come back right to God, he'll give it to you. Oh, your relational problem, if you come, if you come. And then when that don't happen, they stop coming to church and we try to figure out where are they. You still staying with me? Amen. Because now they say, where, where, where are they? I mean, I mean, they came, they stood up here, they gave their life to Christ, Pastor. The, the, somebody, they perhaps they came and, and they were told that if you just give your life to Jesus, he'll give you this, he'll give you that, he'll fix this. And everything you've been hoping and dreaming and working hard for and all the things that you've been slaving, all that, if you just give your life to Jesus, he'll give it all back to you. He'll make you feel better. Oh, and the person that you lost, that boyfriend or that husband that walked away, he'll come back. We communicate this in ways that we don't say it, but we communicate that Jesus will do it, and then we bring him up, and we pray. God, bring him back. Restore. And I'm not knocking that. <laughs> this is the thinking message this morning. Y'all going to have a think with me. Finding fulfillment... And overcoming bad habits cannot be the most important concerns of the gospel. Cannot be. Jesus did not make such promises. Why do, listen to me. Here's a reason why this cannot be the primary concern. We talk about, you know, finding fulfillment. How many know everybody wants fulfillment? And depending on who you're talking to, the fulfillment is a different thing. So everybody wants everybody everybody want fulfillment. And, and, and people will use God as a means to their end. And then when they think God can't deliver, they will walk away from God. And I would say to those folks, they never got it in the first place. They didn't catch it. See, here's why this is a concept. This is a flawed concept when it comes to preaching the gospel. First, not everyone is unfulfilled. I mean, I mean there are some people... They feel like, hey, I'm good to go. <laughs> you know, I don't really need a savior. Are my family doing good? You don't want to look jacked up. You go to church every week. Look at you. You're struggling. I'm doing good. Am I preaching? Amen. Yeah, look at you, you. You barely making it. My kids are going to, they're going to UV. They're going to James Madison. They're going to Harvard. They're going to Virginia Tech. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. So you try to preach to them talking about they need a savior because you ain't going to find, I'm fulfilled. What kind of unfulfillment are you going to preach to somebody who got all the money they want, all the booze they want, all the resources they want, and some all the money they want? Then why do they need Christ? Eh? And that money, they look at you like, <laughs> you, you, I'm good. You see why I say it's flawed that you cannot find the fulfillment and overcoming bad habits and all of that cannot be the most important concerns of the gospel. Not everyone is driven to the point of desperation. There are some folks who don't know Christ, they ain't desperate. I mean, I got neighbors, they look like they are okay. They don't look like they're desperate for anything. How many got friends like wait? Come on, preach, talk to me. How many got friends? They, they, they're not desperate. I mean, you came to a place, you were desperate, and I say, Thank God I got desperate. Thank God, hallelujah. But there are some folks, that they're not, they're not there. They don't catch that. So if you try if you're trying to figure out a way to preach to them and tell them they need Jesus, and you're trying to figure out what what, what do they they what, what, what where are they unfulfilled at? Maybe I can give them that. You know, wherever they're unfulfilled, wherever they're not happy at, that's the place where I gotta preach the gospel. Ah, oh, it's a flawed concept, you see. Not every not everyone have a lust problem. I mean, there are some there are some people who are unbelievers who are faithful to their spouses. I got neighbors, I got friends that love their wife better than some folk do in the church. Marriage is doing great. <laughs> ain't no problem. Marriage is going great. I mean, I, you know, I don't have a problem. I, I ain't struggling with lust. I got a lot of friends that ain't struggling with lust. They don't have alcohol problems. They're, they're, they're fine. They're, they're, they're able to manage. So now that I've convinced you that it's a flawed concept to think, to just try to preach to an unfulfilled life, you, you all agree with me that it's a flawed concept. So why do we need a Savior? Which begs the question. Why do we need a Savior? Romans I 3.23, got, I got a few points. Why do we need a Savior? Here it is right here. For all, everybody say all all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. This is why, listen to me, when you're preaching the gospel to somebody, here's why you need to tell them they need a Savior. Not because the kids ain't doing great, not because their marriage is struggling, not because, you need to first tell them you need a Savior because you are a sinner. How many know that whether you're rich, you're poor, you're doing good, you're doing bad, how many know that everybody needs Help. Everyone is a sinner. I don't care from the president on down to the most, even Mother Teresa, uh, the Pope, whoever. I'm just trying to think of names here. Everybody is a sinner. Amen. And to some Catholic, would they would be mad at me to call the Pope a sinner? The Pope would tell you he's a sinner. Talk to him. And some of his, well, never mind. I'm, I'm, okay, so, so it says in Romans 3, verses 10 through 11, as it is written, there is none righteous, Get this. I know that you woke up this morning and you thought you're better, but the Bible said there's none righteous. No, not one. Did you get that revelation? Did that just hit you upside the head? There is no one who understands. There is no one who seeks after God. How many know that even as a Christian, you don't seek after God like you should? I'm a Christian, I seek God, but I don't seek after God like I should. Amen. All of us are flawed. So how many know that, that that is relevant to the person who got a lot of money, who is doing well, who's doing good with everything? How many know they are still a sinner? And you, we need to tell them that you need Christ, you need a Savior, because you are a sinner and your sins need to be forgiven. Everyone falls into this category. Everyone has broken God's law. A second reason why we need Savior, we need a Savior, listen to me. And this is not popular, but I'm going to preach it because it's true. And if you love people, you'll preach it too. Don't you dare, don't you dare shrink back from the gospel simply because you don't want to offend people. How many of you know I'd rather offend people than offend the spirit of God? Because you got to live with yourself. Are you hearing what I'm saying this morning? Why do we need a savior? Number two, hell awaits unbelievers and those who reject and don't know Christ. Everybody say Hell. How I mean, know oh, hell is real? They don't want to talk about that today. You know, some, some circumvent, man, man, you can't be talking about, I mean, you can't, there are some preachers who won't even say the word hell because they're afraid to offend some people. Listen, if I know that they that telling you about hell will keep you out of hell, I'm going to offend you because I love you too much to see you go there because I believe it's real. Why? Because Jesus says hell is real. write these verses down. Here we go. Matthew 25, Because some of you say, I'm not really sure, Pastor Hell is in the Bible. Okay, here we go. Matthew 25, 41. Then he will also say to those on the left hand, Depart from me, you curse into the everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. Matthew 25, verse 46. And these will go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Revelation 20, verses 14 through 15. Then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. The book of life is those who have received Jesus Christ. Mark 9, verse 45. If your foot causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life maimed rather than having two feet to be cast into hell and to the fire that shall never be quenched. Let me tell you something, people. When people die without Christ, here's what you need to tell them: If you don't have your sins forgiven, if your sins are not covered, then what awaits you is the eternal flames of hell. And, and hear this. It burns forever and ever and ever and ever. This must be, this is the urgency. So I want you to think for a moment. I want you to think about, um, I want you to think about the people that you love. Think about the people that you talk, think about them. If you don't share this gift, if you don't tell them, then God has made it clear. Jesus came so that men won't have to experience hell. Are you hearing me? That's why he came. He came, God sent his son so then that men would not have to experience it. And if you keep quiet, you are falling into the trap of the enemy. And people's souls and lives depend on it. How I many know this is what we do what well, we do what we do on Sunday. We are trying to bring people to a knowledge of the one who could save them from the flames of hell that is coming upon everyone who either rejects Christ or don't know him. Are you hearing me? Amen. Another reason why we need a savior is because God is going to judge the world. He's going to punish sin. Hebrews 9, 27. As it says, as, and as it is appointed for men to die, but after death comes judgment. This coming to every person. Every person, every person is going to have to face Christ. And the Bible says in in Romans chapter 8, there is no condemnation to those who are in, everybody say in, in "in Christ Jesus. Now, if you're in Jesus, you won't be judged as to your eternal destination. You will be judged by your works. That's why I want to be a good worker because I'm going to be in heaven forever. I want to make sure I have a nice place in glory. You're going to be rewarded for your work that you do on earth. How you serve God. Emphasis, how you serve God. I want that to, I want you to hear that. Acts 17, verse 30 through 31. Truly these times of ignorance God overlooked, but now commands all men everywhere to repent. Because he's appointed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness. By the man, everybody say the man. man. He has ordained. You know who that man's name is? Come on, say that name. Come on, say it again. One more time, nice and loud. Jesus. He has given assurance this to all by raising him from the dead. 2 Thessalonians verses 8 and 9 says this. He will come in flames of fire. This is Jesus when he comes back. When he comes back. I know he's coming back. He came as a babe in a manger, but when he comes back, he's coming back in all power and glory. He's coming back as the ruling king. Somebody say hallelujah. He's coming back. He will come in flames of fire to take vengeance on those who have no knowledge of God and do not obey the good news as to Jesus our Lord. They will pay the penalty of eternal destruction, being banished from the presence of the Lord, from his glorious majesty. Uh, In heaven, everyone who have not received Christ, they won't be in heaven. Heaven is for holy people. Hear me. Heaven is for righteous people. Heaven is for people that love Jesus. Heaven is for people that love worshiping Jesus. Heaven is for people that got a God. Heaven is a place for people that wait for Jesus. I mean, no. that his blood makes us right. Somebody ought to say amen. amen. His blood covers you. When you receive Jesus, his blood covers you, and he sets you, he sanctifies you, makes you clean, makes you pure, so that now you can stand in the presence of almighty God. So we need a savior because all have fallen short of God's glory. We need a savior because hell, awaits those who reject Christ and don't know him. We need a savior because God is coming to judge the world and he's going to punish sin. And we need a savior. Watch this. Because men are dead. Look at Ephesians chapter 2. Go to Ephesians chapter 2. Some of you like pastors. What are you talking about? Ephesians chapter 2. The Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, awaken your people. Awaken your people, Holy Spirit. I want you to see the condition that you and I were in in the beginning. Look at this. And you, he made alive. Everybody say alive. alive. Who were dead in trespasses and sins. How many know that everybody who haven't received Christ, hear me. If they don't know Jesus, they are dead men Walking. They are alive. They're breathing. They look like they have life. The folks that drive the Rose Horses, not to pick on them, the folks that got billions of dollars and they think that the world owes them everything, if they don't know Jesus, they are dead men walking. The Bible says, and you who were made alive, or if you got King James Version, it says quicken. Everybody say quicken. I like that. Quicken, quicken means to be made alive. How many of you were dead in your trespasses and sin, and all of a sudden God quickened <laughs> you and gave you life? You were dead in trespasses and sin in which you once walked. Everybody say once walked. Once walked. According to the course of this world. Now, how many know that if you have the Holy Spirit of God living on the inside of you, you're supposed to be walking differently? Let me say that again. If, holding, if you have the Holy Spirit inside of you, you have God inside of you, you're supposed to be walking differently. Amen. There is no such thing as somebody being transformed, living the same old way, that same old passion and no change in their life. You are marked by a change.. Amen. He says, would you once walk, everybody said once walk. I used to walk like I was crazy. I used to walk like I but not no more. Because I have the presence of God living down on the inside of me. He gives me power to do what I could not do before. He quickened me. He made me alive. In which you once walk according to the course of this world, like everybody else. That's why I say don't act like everybody else in Ferguson, in New York. Don't act like everybody else, because that ain't you no more. You got a new identity. If you don't know who you are, get in this book and find out who you are. Know who you are and walk in it. According to the course in this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh. Flesh wants it, flesh gets it fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and watch this, and were by nature children of wrath. Huh, hear this. This is the serious message. Children, this is where we were. This is the condition of where we were. And the folks who don't know Jesus, this is where they are. They are children of wrath. But, Pastor, what do you mean you talk about wrath? The Bible gives us a picture of the wrath of God that is to come. How many of you have read the book of Revelation? In a while, When's the last time you read the book of Revelation? Go back and read the book of Revelation. Go back and read the book. The Bible talks about that it's going to come when God poured all his wrath, when the time is up, when the curtains are closed, when God poured on his wrath, the Bible said that there are going to be people trying to seek death and they won't even be able to die. In the book of Revelation, the wrath of God is coming. Why God is taking so long? Why it's taking over 2,000 years? Because he's not willing that any perish. This is going to be bad. I'm preaching Bible to you this morning. The same book you read to say God loves you says also that he's coming to judge the earth. Revelation 6, verse 15 and 17 says this. Look at this. And the kings of the earth, mm, the great men, the rich men, The commanders, the mighty men, every slave, every free man hid themselves in the caves and in the rocks of the mountains and said to the mountains and rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the lamb. The lamb is Jesus. He's the lamb of God. For the great day of his wrath has come and who is able to stand? Are y'all hearing this this morning? And the Bible says in Ephesians they're feeding their children of wrath. This is what awaits a person who don't understand and process that Christmas is about that gift. Christmas is about that 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 that, 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 that baby that that baby that came. That was God's gift. That was God's. Uh, solution to the sin problem. That was God's answer to help people to get free. That was God's answer that will save men who will call on him. And save men from what? Judgment is coming. God is a holy God. He must punish sin. Well, but why, why? Because God is holy. He is righteous. The Bible says, behold, he's making new heavens and new earth. There will not be any sin in the new heavens and new earth. It will all be eradicated. Aren't you glad everybody say, I'm happy about that. that. Listen, that means the struggle will be over, baby. You still struggle, even though you have the presence of God, the Holy Spirit in you. We still struggle and we still battle with sin. We still battle with things. But there's coming a point in time where this, this old flesh will be taken away and I will completely and totally be made free where I can worship him and the purity of who he is because I will be like him when I behold his glory. Ah. Jesus. Jesus is God's answer to the sin problem. Say that with me. Jesus. Say Jesus. Jesus. It's God's answer, God's answer to, the to the sin problem. Say it again. Jesus is Jesus. God's, God's answer to the sin problem. sin problem. Now, so you understand why you must, why we need, to, what we need to preach and how we need to share this message. It's not about people just being fulfilled. It's not about God just giving people jobs. Listen, God may never change that but he will fix the root of every problem in the earth today. You know, the root of every problem that you see in our society and throughout the world is a sin problem. It all goes back to the same thing. God sent that gift, that baby, to fix that. To fix that. This is the gift that we have. If you're not able to give anybody else anything else materially, if you can give them that, boy, you did marvelous. You did great. Look at this. Jesus is God's answer to the sin problem, John 14, 6. Now, hear this. I want you to stay with me. We only have a couple more minutes and we're done. Jesus said to him, Watch this. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Get this. No one comes to the Father except through me. Oh, but how many know that's controversial today? Come on, how many know it's controversial? You mean to tell me? How are you going to disrespect my religion? I mean, you t- that's your way. I, you go your way, I got my way. How many of you have ever heard that? See, we can't either Jesus was legit or he was a liar, or a lunatic, or something else. You can't accept part of his message and then reject the rest. Jesus said this. And he left no room for interpretation. You can't get this wrong. He says, I am the way, which is to say, here's what Jesus is saying. Here's the undercurrent of what he's saying. That every other way ain't the right way. That's what Jesus is saying. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And then he don't leave it there. He says, No one can get to the Father except through me. Did that offend you? See, Jesus' message was: if you want to know God, know me. If you want to know God, come to know me. John 1-1. Y'all know the John 1-1, right? John 1-1. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word what? Was God. And then John, first John. I'm sorry, John 1, 14. And the word became flesh. Everybody say flesh. And dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten Son of of the Father, full of grace and truth. Now, here's why this is so important that we understand this, what Jesus said. When Jesus was saying that he was God, I mean, know that so a lot of people got upset about that. They got upset about that then, and they get upset about that now. They killed him in part because he claimed that he was God. They said, who are you? You are a man like me. You put on your pants like me. You get dressed like me. You, who the, in fact, I know your mama. I know your address. What do you mean, Jesus, that you are God? Jesus said, I and my father was one, are one. The Bible said they pick up stones and they said, hold up, hold up. We're going to have to get rid of you. You You're committing blasphemy. See, if Jesus is God, then then listen to me. If Jesus did not himself, think think about it this way. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. The word became flesh. The word, Jesus, is God in flesh. So the same God that we're trying to get to, if we deny Jesus, we deny the very thing that we say we're trying to to get to God, but yet God came down, and we say, I don't want that. Then when you reject Jesus, you're rejecting the God you say you seek. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So he came down off the throne. God said, I'm going to come down, in the form of my son Jesus, and I'm going to wrap myself in flesh. This is why when Jesus said, I am the way, he's, he's simply saying, I am God in flesh, came to get you back. <laughs> you know, if you go to a doctor, and a doctor says you got an infection, and he said, look, the only way you're going to get rid of this infection is you need to take penicillin or amoxicillin or whatever it is. The pink stuff, for those of you who have kids, I gave my kids a lot of the pink stuff. You know How many know that infection will kill you? If I look at a dog and say, I don't want that. I don't like that medication. Then chances are, you're going to suffer the consequences. How many know the guy that came, the folks that got there in Ebola, they needed to get treated? If They would have said, I don't want that. Chances are, the ones who survived would be like dead. Same thing. God says, the problem, the, the sin problem, I came, I fixed it. I'm sending you my son. This is, this is the problem. Accept him. And when we say no, it's like saying, I don't want to be healed. I don't want to be fixed. God is saying, I came down from heaven. I came down from heaven. I came from heaven to save you and fix you. I could have left you where you were. I could have left humanity where it was. And God validated just in case people said, well, he's just another man talking He's no different than other other men. What man do you know of the day got up out of the grave after being dead for four days? What man do you know that all of history is set on Christ? All the time, dates BC and AC. You think that just kinda just happened? <laughs> God validated, that's why Jesus did so many miracles. God was validating, we never seen a man to do this kind of stuff. And the resurrection was the testimony that was God saying, that's my seal. Hear him. That's my way into heaven. That's the way in order to get to me. And when we reject him, when we reject that gift, then what we're saying, listen to me, listen to me. Buddha can't get you in. Muhammad can't get you in. Hare Krishna can't get you in. You can like them, you can admire them, but they can't save you. Only Jesus saves. You ought to clap your hand if you believe that. If you don't believe it, keep, don't clap. Only Jesus saves. That's it. Nobody else saves. God says, listen, he goes on to say, just in case, he says in um, Acts 4.12, write this verse down. Nor is there salvation in any other. For there is no name under heaven. Listen to this church. Given among men, which by we must be saved. It's no other name. There's no other name other than the name of Jesus. Philippians 2, 9 verses, Philippians chapter 2, verses 9 through 11 says this. Look at this. This is how God's going to set this thing up. Therefore, God also has highly exalted him. Everybody say Jesus. And giving him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, listen to me, church, every knee should bow. Watch this. Of those in heaven, watch this, those on the earth, and watch this, those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God. Here's what God is saying. God is saying, listen to me. Every tongue, every proud person, every high-minded person, every rich person, every person that got wisdom, every person that got knowledge. God says, everybody, even your rebellious friend who say, I don't want your God, I don't want to have nothing to do with your God. Every one of them, one day when they see that glory, they're going to fall and say, Jesus, your Lord. He said, every tongue. Every tongue, you're going to bow down, well, you think you're going to, yeah, I know you think you're standing now, but you're falling. How I many know when you see that glory, when you see that power, you got, you going to fall? The Bible said everything got to confess that he is what? Lord. Why? Because Jesus is God in flesh. That's what the baby was about. And so when Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, he wasn't saying that because he was in an argument with somebody. It's the truth. It's God's way. And everything going to bow to him. Everything going to worship him. And that's why you should not be afraid to worship him because you're going to wor- Listen to me. If you've got a problem worshiping him now. You're going to feel like a, a fish out of water in heaven. Because you read the book of Revelation. That's all they're doing is worshiping. Good God. I mean, all, every time you turn around, all, the, all of them, they're just falling down. Good God. worshiping. Some of us, man, don't want to put our hands up. We'll go down the street in Ferguson. We'll put our hands up. Don't shoot. Come into church. Hands down. Hands up. Don't shoot. Come to church. The Bible says that every knee is going bow, every tongue is going to confess. This is who we are. We, we understand that, that life begins for us when we came to Jesus. Life begins when you come to Jesus. Before then, you were a dead man walking. You might have been rich. You might have been full of ed- You might have 15 degrees. But when you came to Christ, before you came to Christ, you were a dead man walking. And when you gave your life to Christ, now you're alive. This is what Christmas is about. For unto us, a child is born. Unto us, a son is given. And the government, good God, This is Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 and 7. And the government will be upon his shoulders. There ain't going to be Democrat or Republican. I'm telling you, get rid of your cards. (laughs) Your card-carrying Republican, your card-carrying Democrat, whatever you are. The government's going to be on his shoulders. And his name will be called Wonderful, Hallelujah, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order it and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward, even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. I mean, oh, the Jesus. I want you to think of Christmas, not like everybody else. When you go share Christ, make sure to let people know that they need a Savior because they're a sinner. Not because God's going to make everything perfect for them because it may not turn out the way they want. God promises in Matthew 1, 21, jesus came to save his people from their sin the real problem that we have is that we're sinners that's the real problem every homeless perp- person every broke person every person that's locked up in jail corruption in government all boils down to the one thing they need a savior his name is jesus so that little baby when he came when god sent this is what Christmas is about. When God said he sent the baby to fix the sin problem, and you have been given this responsibility to take this gospel and to let people know, listen, this gift, you need them. How many of you feel like now you really can tell people why you need them? Yeah. Even to the rich, even to the high. You can tell them now, you need a sin. Well, I don't need a church. Well, you need church because you're a sinner, and if you don't get your sins taken, taken care of, you're going to die in your sins, and you're going to spend eternity in hell. It's real. Every eye, every is closed, every eye. Every eye is closed, every head is bowed, you know what I mean.